Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. Last week we looked at who Jesus is. We looked at how he is the image of the invisible God, that he is has supremacy over all, that in him the fullness of God dwelt in bodily form. This week we're going to take a look at who we are as humans, as we continue our series, Genuine, a walk through Colossians. We're going to take a look at, at who followers of Jesus are to become and what our hope is. And my hope for our time together, I want you to see who God is and what he's done for you. I want you to see places in your heart where Jesus wants to work. I want you to see the direction that you're headed. Today's sermon is going to be kind of like a a map. You're going to be able to look at it and say, I was here, I am here, I'm headed here. And you're going to be able to situate yourself on the map. This map, map is going to point out some pitfalls along the way. And I'm hoping that you will come away encouraged to continue on on your spiritual journey. It was at a camp where I learned orienteering. I am not a woodsman by any stretch of the imagination, but one of the things they teach you in orienteering is to trust your compass. Your compass points north. Trust your compass. Because when you are in the middle of a wilderness, you need to have a point of reference. Trust your comp- compass. This morning, I, I want to take a look at what it means in your, on your spiritual journey to be with and without a reference point. Come with me to Colossians chapter 1. Paul is writing to the the church in Colossae. He's never met these people, but he knows them through his disciple called Epaphras. Epaphras has gone to Rome to visit uh, with Paul, who is in a Roman prison. He hears the report of this church, and then he pens this letter. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in, in the gospel, This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Let's take it one verse at a time. Verse 21. Once you were alienated from God, and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior. Paul's saying, Colossians, I don't know you, but I do know humanity. We're the same We were alienated from God and were enemies of God in our own mind. If you get what he's saying here, it will help you to understand what God wants of you and what God wants to do in this world. See, as the moon reflects the light of the sun, so you were made to reflect who God is. As a mirror reflects its beholder, so you were made to reflect the character of God. That is who you were made to be. But because of sin, we were alienated from God. We were cut off from the light of the sun. The one who stood in front of the mirror 
was no longer there. And what happened is the one from whom we were to get our identity has been obscured by sin. We were made in a way where the reference point of what was good and loving and peaceful and right was God himself. He was the one who pointed to true life, abundant life, the, the life that's really life. He was the one whom we were made for and whom we were made to reflect. God was our compass. He, he was our, our true north, and, and it was by him that we could guide our life. Paul says, though, what happened is that we were alienated from God. We could, couldn't see him clearly. He was no longer a reference point uh, to what was good. And we lost our way. Maybe, maybe even our vision of what real life was and true life was. So what happens when you lose your compass? What, what happens if you lose your reference point? Well, in our, in, if you're out in the wilderness and that happens, your tendency is to go by gut instinct. And usually when we go by how we feel, we tend to walk in circles and walk in circles. It's the same with our spiritual life. If our reference point is not God, we tend to go with what we're feeling in ourselves and our spiritual life starts to go in circles. We become self-referenced. Instead of getting our identity from God, we, we get our identity from, from what we think it should be. Instead of getting our di ideas of what is good and lovely and right and true from God, we, we get those from what we see around us, what people reflect back to us. And what happens is that we become self-referenced. And life becomes all about us. I'll unpack that for a moment, but the verse goes on to say that we were enemies of God in our minds. Please note that it does not say that God was our enemy. If God were our enemy, we would be nothing but a, a splotch of slime on the ground because no one and nothing can stand up to God. God was not our enemy, but we were God's enemy. What that means is that even the parts of God that we, we could see, we still rejected. You will notice that we became enemies of God in our minds, how we thought. So what happens when you become self-referenced instead of God-referenced, when your mind opposes the things of God, what happens is <clears throat> when you're alienated from that place where you're supposed to get your identity from, and where you're supposed to understand what good is and what real life is really all about, what happens is this. If you don't have that reference point as to what is good and right and true and what life is all about, you have to figure it out on your own. And we, we do that by trying a number of personas on, you know, and we check out, you know, what are people going to like? What are people going to think of me? Sometimes we, uh, those who tend to be the opposite of that, where I'm, I don't care what people think about me, I'm just going to push away and I, I'm going to care, care less about that. But that's a persona in and of itself as well. And we try to create these different personas. 
Sometimes they're created for us, our family um, voice our identity on us, or our friends tell us this is who we are. The clearest picture of that, of course, is if you uh, have ever uh, been around high school students. At that age, trying to figure out what life is all about, and you have the jocks and they're trying to fit in, and the nerds and they're trying to fit in, and oh, heaven help you if you don't have a group of people to fit in on. Life, life just, uh, you know, feels out of sorts, or if you've been betrayed by your friends, that is really, really tough because we get our identity from those outward sources and all of a sudden it's not working. So what happens is we, we put on this persona, we don't show the world who we truly are. Sometimes we don't even know who we truly are. And sometimes we believe that if people knew who we truly were, they would reject us. And so we try to become what other people like or what other people say. We put on this, this mask, this false self. And because we lack a true center, where we don't have a reference point, the only reference point is ourselves or other people's brokenness of what they think of us, we tend towards, I am what I do. And so all of a sudden, performance takes a leap forward in our identity, and, and I, I, I am what I do. But then we fear that we might be, not be able to perform enough, and you're only as good as what you did last, and, and our performance gets in, uh, gets in the way, and we think we might be, not be valued for what we do. And so in order to, to stave off the fear that goes around that, and there's a lot of fear when you don't have a reference point uh, in God, what happens is we become self-protective. We want to hide ourselves and make sure that other people don't break through our persona. Or we become self-promoting. Hey, look at me. Look at me and look what I've done. And we try to show our best life. And even our most noble actions are undertaken for an eye of, hey, well, people think I'm good if I do this. When we become, go in this direction, often we become self-indulgent because we need to feed the craving of the hole that's left with inside us. And we uh, can become manipulative and try to get others to get on our agenda so that I can fill that inner need within me. All this happens because we've been alienated from God. And we've had to create our own identities. We become self-reference and what is good is what's good for me. It doesn't matter if it harms my neighbor or the world around me. What's good is what I think is good. And then life becomes all about me. And out of the state comes uh, what the verse calls evil behavior. In Galatians, Paul puts a label on what some of this evil, evil behavior is. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, it says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are really clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Those things happen because we'll be, we've been alienated from God and, and lost him as our, our compass, as our reference point. 
and then we've had to tr try to make up our, our own identities, which we're not really sure about. Uh, then, then we have to protect those identities, and life becomes all about us, and so we start to move in those directions. When I was growing up, I somehow caught the message that being a Christian was all about being good. And then somehow I caught the message that being good was about not being bad. And it was all about not doing the wrong things. Uh, so my job as a Christian was to, to stay away from bad things. And the list we go on was listed plus, plus more things. And if you want to be a good Christian, you need to become better at not doing bad things. But you, if you understand what I've been saying, you see that the bad things that were just limp, listed, they're symptoms. They're symptoms of being alienated from God. They're symptoms of not having God as our reference point. They're symptoms of God being obscured by sin. And these uh, symptoms have a way of creating all kinds of bad things in us. See, the reason why God hates sin so much is that sin brings death. And death is opposed to the life he wants for us, the life he desires for us. See, sin steals and kills and destroys, and, and God is all about you having life and having it to the full. Faith is not about trying not to be bad. Excuse the double negative. Faith is about being connected to God in such a way where God is our reference point. And as we're heading towards God, we start to see what is good and true and loving. This is why Paul goes on to say in verse 22, Colossians chapter 1, But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. We were alienated, but we have been reconciled. What we were was alienated, but if you've come to know Jesus as your Savior, as if you've received him into your life, then you were alienated, but now you have been reconciled. Your relationship has been made right. We've been brought into a place where God is standing in front of our mirror again. He's not obscured anymore, and we reflect him. We've been reconciled to him. And this happened by Jesus' death on the cross. He went into the middle of our darkness and exploded it with his light so we could see who God is. That's why he came, and we talked about it last week, he's the image of the invisible God. We can see who God is again. He took our sin and our shame, and he bore it in himself on the cross, and he gave us his righteousness and his goodness. And now we, we walk back into relationship with God, and we, he stands in front of our mirror, and so we can see what real love is, and what is real goodness is, and what real life is. He hands us a compass and says, head towards me. If you've never been reconciled to God, I want to encourage you to, to move in that direction now. It will transform your world, because as you move into a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, it has a way of giving you a new heart. You can start a relationship with him through a simple prayer. I'd invite you to pray that prayer with me. It's on the screen. God, 
I don't want to be your enemy. I want to be your friend. Jesus, come into my life so that I can really know who God is and have my life guided by him. I want to reflect him. I want to be who he's made me to be. Take away my sin. I choose to follow you. Thank you that you always do what you said you would do. Amen. And here's what the word of God declares. Yet to, his, to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. If you prayed that prayer in faith, I want to say this. Welcome to the family of God. Now let's go back to our passage. Notice what happens when, when you're reconciled by what Christ did. It says, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical bo body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. He makes you holy in his sight without blemish, free from accusation. Some of you are saying, well, I've invited Jesus into my life, but I certainly don't feel holy and I certainly don't feel blameless. And free from accusation? How does that work? Well, there's a long answer and there's a short answer, so let me give you the, the short answer. When you received what Jesus did for you on the cross, the Bible says you become a new creation. In the core of who you are, your spirit is changed. You become God's. He's forgiven you. He's cleansed you from all your sin. He's declared you not guilty. He has made you his child. He, is, he has put his Holy Spirit inside of you. And so you are holy. You are blameless. You are without blemish. You are free from accusation. But the way the Greek text says he presents you blameless... It's the aorist tense, which, may, which means he did it and he continues to do it. God is still at work in your life. You see, when you became a, a Christian, your soul, your, your mind, your will, your emotions didn't change all that much. Probably didn't become a whole lot smarter. You didn't make a choice for Jesus, so you made a choice with your will, but, you know, it's, you still make choices. Uh, your emotions may have been affected, but you, if you have emotional wounds, you'll still probably have emotional wounds. So the core of who you are has changed. You are holy and without blemish, but there's this ongoing transformation that needs to take place. Remember the verse said that we've been looking at said we've been alienated from God in our minds. Paul was when he was talking from the Romans says, "Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world." but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The ongoing renewing of your mind is how that, that, that could be translated. Our spirits have been translated. Our mind needs to be transformed on an ongoing basis, where we move from being self-referenced to God-referenced. We, we move from what we think is good to what God says is good, where we move from being life all about us to being to life being in perspective with God at the at the, the center. And when we find our identity in him instead of ourselves, all of a sudden the rest of these things fall into place. And that is an ongoing process.
In theological terms, it's called the, the sanctification process. It's the work that God is up to you, up in you, uh, right now, if you are a follower of his. Remember, we looked at how evil behavior happens because we are alienated from God. Well, the way out of that kind of behavior uh, is to be fully in front of God and to start to reflect God in all of who he is. We talk about that in different ways. We talk about that as abiding in Christ or remaining in Christ. We talk about having a personal relationship with Christ and not just as a cliche, but actually we are walking in relationship with Christ. However we talk about it, we're living in such a way where we, we are becoming less self-referenced and more God-referenced. Let's go on back to our passage. Paul goes on to say in verse 23, If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and you do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Your holiness, blamelessness, and being free from accusation is dependent on what Christ did for you on the cross. That's why uh, Paul says those things happen as you continue in your faith. Listen, if you place your faith in something outside of Jesus, even if they're good things, like being a church member or practicing great uh, uh, self-discipline or religious practices, if your uh, forgiveness is dependent on your good works outweighing your bad works, then you're not Jesus-oriented. You're not depending on the cross. That's not the true gospel. Paul says you continue on in the gospel just as you received him, so you continue on him. You're trusting him to deal with your sin, to deal with your alienation from God, so that you can be before God. If you place your, your hope in your own goodness, or your own righteousness, or anything else, then you have a problem. Because it's only through Jesus that we're reconciled to God. And it's through Jesus that our friendship with God continues. Every bit of darkness is blown apart by what Jesus did on the cross. For those of you who have put your faith in Jesus, then, then this verse goes on to say we have the hope of the, the gospel. The Bible tells us that we were saved, that we are being saved, and that we will be saved. There will be a time when there will be absolutely nothing between God and us. So we'll have the clearest vision of who God is, and we will reflect him fully. Until that time, he is transforming us by making us uh, less self-referenced and more God-referenced. As we continue our walk through Colossians, we're going to see how that happens, and we're going to map that out, and Paul's going to give us some keys in, in terms of making that happen. But my question for you today is, when you're mapping yourself out on that spiritual journey, and as you're looking at God as your compass, how much of your life is God-referenced? Where you're, you're living out of what you know God wants you to do? Where you're living because you're reflecting who He is? And how much of yourself is, is self-referenced? Where you're just living because, well, uh, it, it feels good to me. The more you move towards being oriented towards God, the more that you will live out your life 
of God in you. And the more that you will see God at work around you. And the more that he will propel you towards the life that is truly life. God invites you through his son to experience life, abundant life. He's made a way for the darkness to be exploded through the cross of Christ and for you to come into relationship with him. I want to urge you, push into that relationship with him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as I've been talking, I know some of the people have got it. And they have the sense that, yeah, I, I need to be living my life less about me, more about what you, who you are and what you're saying. And I'm praying that, Lord, as we lose our life for you, that we will really find it. And I'm praying, Lord, that you would give us a life that is truly life. Bless your people who push into you, Lord. Help them to see you clearly. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.